in such a way that you are resting in the promises of God. Because the children of Israel have not lived in the promised land, but it's by when you go in. And I think for us as the redeemed people of God, those of you who are here today who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, are you living in such a way that you are resting and trusting in the promises of God? Or are you walking by sight and saying, there are no promises for me? We make promises all of the time that we may or may not follow through on, but God isn't like us. Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel shares that you can bank on God's promises. He'll always do what he says he will, but do you believe that? The choice is up to you. Like the Israelites at the edge of the promised land, you have to decide to walk forward in faith, resting in those promises, or to cling only to what you can see. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 26 as he begins his message, Special. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy 26, as we're continuing this study here through the book of Deuteronomy, and really this message is the closing message in this second series in the book of Deuteronomy. If you've been traveling with us, verse, chapters 1 to 11, we did our first series in the book of Deuteronomy that we called Refresh, and then the second section in the book of Deuteronomy, we've been calling Blueprints, which is a retelling of all the laws. I mean, that word Deuteronomy, it's not a word that you would hear normally. It's taken out of the Greek language, Deutero, which would mean second, nomos in the Greek would mean law. So it's the Deuteronomy is the second telling of the law. So Moses is preparing the generation that is going into the promised land to be able to understand this is all the things God told us when we were at Sinai. These are all the laws. And so chapter 26 is the end of this middle section and then the final series in the book of Deuteronomy that we're going to be calling Cause and Effect. So let's jump on in. Deuteronomy chapter 26, picking up in verse 1, this very last chapter in this middle section. It says this, and it shall be When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord your God swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and shall set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number. And there he became a nation, great and mighty and populous. 
But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. So this is, I mean, look at verse one. And really in verse one, this gives you the whole context of the entire Bible. Notice, it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and you dwell in it. I always love when you get to see the big picture of the Bible in one verse. Some scholars have told us, and I think it's totally right, that the whole Bible can be summed up in God, the people, and the land. It seems simplistic. There is a God, this God chooses a people for his own, and he wants to give them a place to abide, a place to live and flourish. That's a great overarching way to look at the scriptures. Now, what's interesting is if you think about the world that we live in today, like in 21st century America, the overarching story is the people in the land, but not God, the people in the land, right? And so you have to remember, these three things go together. The true and living God wants a people for himself. We're going to see more about that by the time we get to the end of this chapter. But God has given his people a place to be, a place to dwell, right? And so it says, it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you. Now, I don't want you to miss it. Don't miss that. It says when you go into the land, not if you go into the land. The children of Israel have not been in that land living as a people. Sure, they sent 12 spies in, but the people have never dwelt there. But this is a certainty. Why? Because God says it's a certainty. And God's promises are sure. And we need to learn the art of being able to dwell and rest in God's promises. I love this, that you can find God's promises. God's promises. I've been reading a daily devotional this year by Charles Spurgeon. I always love reading those little one-page devotions. I've been reading them my entire Christian life. And so someone had told me about Spurgeon wrote a book called The Great Checkbook of Faith. There's 365 promises that Spurgeon gives a little two-paragraph devotion on. And it's beautiful because it's like a check that God has written that you can bring to the bank. It's a promise that he made. And what does that promise mean to our lives? And one of the ways that you and I learn how to counteract all of the negativity and the fear and the anxiety that we are apt to feel living in a world that is uncertain is to bank on the promises of God. Have you been claiming the promises of God as your own? And are you living in such a way that you are resting in the promises of God? Because the children of Israel have not lived in the promised land, but it's by when you go in. And I think for us as the redeemed people of God, those of you who are here today who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, are you living in such a way that you are resting and trusting in the promises of God? Or are you walking by sight and saying, there are no promises for me? And I say you are walking by sight because the children of Israel would say, 
when we dwell in the land, we've never dwelt in the land. My parents died in this wilderness. I mean, I'm never going to go into the land. No, no. This is promises is sure because God has decreed it. And your Bible is full of promises, my friends. And what I love about God is he is faithful. The God of the Bible is radically faithful. And his promises are sure. But we have to learn to appropriate those promises to our lives. We have to learn how to say, that's a promise from a God who is so faithful that he would give his own son. And I'm gonna walk through this world trusting in my faithful God, even though I have not yet maybe seen his promises come to fruition. I mean, think about someone like Abraham, the great patriarch of faith, the father of the children of Israel. It's like God promised him an heir and he was not just a little old, he was long past child rearing time. It's so funny, my grandma just turned 90. And I said, Grandma, she's like, my grandma, how you doing? She's like, I'm getting old, honey. I'm like, well, Sarah had a baby at that age. And she's like, well, I ain't Sarah. That's what she said. And I'm like, listen, Abraham was 100, so you and grandpa, there's some hope there. And she's like, no, you know? And my grandma's so sweet, so I love having fun with her, and, and I just love her so much. And, but it's like, they waited a long time for that promise. And, and that promise was so profound that they couldn't figure out how it was going to happen, so they took matters into their own hands. And, you, you know, you get Hagar involved, you get all these things going on. But really... God promised that he was going to give them a male heir and that their descendants were going to be as the sand of the seashore, as the stars of the heavens. And we look back with the hindsight that's 2020 on all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not only ethnically the children of Israel, but spiritually all the believers from every generation. And you see God's promises are as good as finished. It's just a matter of us learning how to walk through this life, trusting a faithful God who has promised to do things and he will do it. I love that when it says, when, not if, not at my head. No, this is done deal. When you go into the land, what should happen? It says that you shall take, verse two, some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God has given you and put in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide and you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say, so really what this is, this is a gift, a tithe of the first fruits. When you go into the land, right, and the first harvest comes, you take the first of that harvest and you bring it as an offering to the Lord. Now, This is very, very important because this is a principle all the way through your Bible and the idea of giving of your first fruits to the Lord. Now, I need to put this out there right up front. We are not under the law. We are under grace. So this is not like, if you do this, you will be declared righteous in the eyes of God. The New Testament teaches us, the good news of Jesus teaches us, we don't do things so that we are declared righteous in God's eyes. We are declared righteous in God's eyes because of our faith in Jesus, because Jesus was righteous and we are not, but we get to share in his righteousness by faith. But because we are declared righteous in Christ, then we act. So that's the huge difference between what we can call the old covenant and the new covenant, the law and grace. The law says, I do, therefore I'm accepted, or I obey, therefore I'm accepted, right? The gospel says, I am accepted, therefore I obey, 
So it's about which comes first. And the teachings of the New Testament is we don't do anything because we have to. The way that we live is different because Jesus is real and he has redeemed us and he is changing the way that we live. So you have to ask yourself, do you give of your first fruits unto the Lord? And it's a simple answer. It's either a yes or a no answer. Now I realize, I realize that for all of us, the idea of giving your first fruits to God is terrifying because all of your fruits of your harvest don't probably cover your lifestyle. That's the average American situation, right? It's like the way that I live every single day is designed that I really can't afford to give anything to the Lord. And my friends, I'm telling you, this is a faith problem. It's a faith issue. And we just talked about God's promises. We just talked about the fact that God is faithful. And because God is faithful, we should be faithful. But we don't really trust that if we give our first fruits is unto the Lord that he's actually going to provide for us. Until, of course, you actually take God at his word and you do it. And the people who do it will always say God is super faithful. So for those of you who have experienced God's faithfulness because you're trusting in his promises, I want you to begin to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who have not yet taken that step of faith and they've not yet experienced God's faithfulness and when the idea of giving of the first fruits to the Lord is absolutely anxiety riddled. But you know that when you take that step of faith, God begins to work in very powerful ways. And if you're here today and you have not been giving of your first fruits, I want you to start. Not because God needs your money, because God owns cattle on a thousand hills. So like God ain't broke. God's not like, I'm going to go under if you don't give your tithes and offerings. God doesn't need it, but you actually need it. You need to learn God's faithfulness. And you'll never learn that God is faithful unless you say, God, this is what you're asking of me. And so you're faithful and I want to learn that you're faithful. So I need to put myself in a situation that you prescribed in your word, not because I have to, but because I want to grow and see your faithfulness. I'm here to tell you, I got three kids. I was bivocational pastor for of my ministry time because I was church playing. Every time a church got big enough to keep me on staff, I would turn it over to a pastor. I'd go start all over again, working three jobs doing the ministry. I'm here to tell you, God has always provided. And when things would go on that were crazy, I remember me and Lynn, we'd lay bills before the Lord and we'd say, Lord, we are seeking to honor you. We give up our first fruits, Lord. This is your bill. We don't know how to afford this. And we've watched God provide in the most extraordinary ways. We had simple faith enough to say, God, we're just going to trust you in this. And it doesn't make sense. Like, I remember when I first went into the ministry, I got paid $500 a month as an intern. That was my first ministry job. My rent was $500 a month. So I was working some side jobs. And I remember I was working for a guy in the church, one of the elders there. He had like a drywalling company. So I was like hanging drywall and mudding it. And, you know, and it's funny. And I'm just like, and I'm like doing it for Jesus. I'm like, Lord, yeah, this is awesome, you know? I'll never forget it. He was mudding a wall. I was waiting for it to dry so I can sand. And I felt like the Lord said, Daniel, you need to stop doing this. I didn't ask you to do this. You just don't trust me. And I'm just like, you know, I'm having, I'm arguing with God, right? I'm like, Lord, you know, the church only pays me 500 bucks a month, you know, and I'm giving a tithe on that. So I'm at 450, you know? And I'm like giving God like the math discussion, like God didn't invent math. 
you know? And I'm like, Lord, that doesn't even include food. It doesn't include any of this stuff. And, and Lord's like, no, no, I want to teach you something. And I remember going to the guy at the end of the day and say, hey, listen, I know we have this job through the end of the week. At the end of the week, I'm supposed to not work for you. And I'm grateful for the job, but I feel like, and he's like, how are you going to provide for yourself? I'm like, you know, I don't know. And so I stepped down. I remember went to my pastor and I said, God told me I'm supposed to just work here. And he's like, well, you only make 500 bucks. I was like giving me the talk. And I'm like, I know I'm just supposed to do this. And I'm here to tell you, I didn't go into debt not one time. There was moments where I'm like, Lord, I don't have any food. And I would go back and there'd be a bag of groceries on my doorstep. And I wouldn't be like, you know, walking through the church like I'm starving. You know what I mean? Like trying to hint to everybody to help me. You know, and like literally, I'd come home, there'd be a bag of food, and I'm just be like, praise God. You know what I mean? Or I need work on my car, and then someone would come, hey, you know, can you help me with this thing? Sure. And then they're like, here, I'm just going to give you 20 bucks. And I'm just like, wow, you know? But because I was giving unto the Lord, I'm here to tell you, I don't ever stress about finances, and I never have. Because I realize that God tells me I can trust him in this. I mean, it's the only place where God says, test me in that. In the book of Malachi, test me. And when God says, like, put me to the test, I think some of you, God's telling you, I'm telling you what you already know because I think God's, his spirit's already been saying, you need to start trusting me. And the reason I think finances are such a challenging place is because we all know that number on the online banking account, like you can't make up more numbers on there. It's like that number is a fixed number. But the idea here is you're giving the first fruits and notice the wordage because I think what God really wants to get at is for us to realize where our source is. Because what it says here, it says, first of all the produce of the ground which you bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. Whose land is it? It's their land. But whose land is it really? It's God's land. See, Part of the gift of giving of your first fruits is you're acknowledging it's not my work that provides for me, it's God's. And I am returning to God what he has entrusted to me. See, God is trusting us and asking us to be faithful stewards. And we're saying, God, I'm going to turn some of that back to you because the only way I can be a faithful steward is because you already are faithful. So that's how this works. Same way, our lives are not our own. We were bought at a price, right? So we give our lives back to God who gave us life. It's this this kind of law of reciprocal affection that God gives to us and we return it to him. It's like the greatest commandment. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? We learn in 1 John that we love God, why? Because he first loved us. See, God loves us first, and then we return the love that he's given us back to him. And in the same way, God has given us life, and then we give our lives back to God, and we let God do what he wants to do with it. And with the finances and the provision that God gives us, he gives it to us, and we just turn right, we give it right back to him. And that's the way that we're supposed to live. God gives, and we return it. And as God gives, and we return to him, then the overflow of that relationship goes outward into the world. But I think for many of you, your growth in Christ is stunted because you're not taking the opportunities to live out the faith that God has given you. Not because tithing makes you grow. It's that act of obedience and how that act of obedience interacts in the spirit that you get the opportunity to experience God's faithfulness. 
So I just want to encourage you just to take a step of faith because from Genesis to Revelation, not in a legalistic way, not in like a God is really going to bless me because I gave my tithe. No, it's God is the most generous person I've ever met. And if I'm becoming more like God, then I'm going to start to be more generous. And I'm going to realize that God doesn't need my money, but I actually need to be generous because you're more blessed to give than receive. We were designed to be people who distribute God's blessings into the world. And I'm not only talking about finances, I'm talking about love and joy, smiles, self-sacrificial service. The totality of our lives lived generously into the world. And don't miss the fact that when we live generously in a broken world, in a selfish society, that we shine like lights set on a lampstand. When the people of God live with radical generosity, radically generous in forgiveness and in grace and service in a world that everyone's like, take, 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 we shine as a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. So we want to be people who return to God the first fruits that he has given us. Now, what's beautiful about this is they bring it to whoever's the priest in the time that they're doing it, right? Wherever God decides to place his name. So the idea here is the tabernacle at this time, that mobile worship tent, which once they move into the promised land, ends up in a couple different places, ultimately in Jerusalem. And then when they replace the tabernacle with the temple, wherever God places his name. And so you bring it there. And then there's this recital, these declarations. And what's beautiful about this is they remind themselves about how faithful God is. So part of this whole thing is I'm going to declare that God has been faithful. And so I'm giving God a gift of his own faithfulness. Look what it says in the middle of verse 3. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. And then the priest shall take the basket, verse 4, out of your hands and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. So first thing is God has put us into the land that he promised for us. God told us he was going to do it. He told Abraham he was going to do it. He told Isaac and Jacob, we've got all these promises. We're in that land. God promised and he was faithful to do it. And then the priest takes it, he puts it on the altar. And then you say this, you say, my father was a Syrian about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number. And there he became a nation great and mighty and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. And then we cried out to the Lord, our God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Do you see what's going on? There's this constant recital in the scriptures of the testimony of what God has done in the life of the children of Israel. And that's why your testimony is important. You can't forget what God has done. And you find that the children of Israel recite their familial history over and over and over and over again. You find it in almost every single book of the Bible overtly, and it's always in the undercurrent. Why? Because what God has done in the past is a reminder of what God will do in the future. Everything you have is from the Lord. In this message, Pastor Daniel pointed out that everything you have, even your very life, is a gift from God. And because He gives you so much, you can give it back to Him. Whether it's resources like time or money, 
or your very heart and life, you'll be blessed when you give back to the Lord what He gave to you. Pastor Daniel shared that not doing this may be why your spiritual life is lacking right now. He encouraged you to take a step of faith and say yes to what Jesus is asking you to do. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you, and that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that you've never been too bad off for God to rescue you. He should be number one on your speed dial, whether things are going wrong or right. You'll be reminded that you can call out to the Lord anytime, no matter how bad things are. He'll be there, waiting to help, giving you what you need to move forward. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Blueprints. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.